Hi everybody, this is Marlene with Miami Ghost Chronicles and the following is an interview that I did with Sean Graham from Chasing the Truth Paranormal Talk Show. Sean was a wonderful host. We had a great conversation and I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. Crazy as it is. Uh, tonight we've got a special guest, Marlene Pardo. She is a author, a paranormal researcher. Um, Marlene is producer and host of a paranormal talk show, Stories of the Supernatural, in which she interviews authors, experts, and any person who has witnessed the unexplained. She's also the narrator of the podcast show Nightshade Diary, Supernatural Storytime, and the blog author of Strangers and Fiction. She appeared in S, the Season 1, Episode 1 of Paranormal Survivor, which presently airs on the Destination America and Netflix, and Season 1 of Haunted Hospitals, which airs on the Travel Channel. Uh, Marlene, yes. thank you for coming on Chasing the Truth. No, it's my pleasure. Thank you for the invitation. I apologize for the uh, doubled-up sound and stuff. Um so tell us a little bit about what I didn't say in the uh, okay. bio. Okay. Um, I tell everybody, you know, I, well, I, I like a lot of people, you know, when I was a kid, I, you know, you read the ghost stories and everything and, and, you know, you kind of grow up, but I always had an interest in it. And I did start getting into investigations, not what you kind of see, but back in the nineties when it was a little bit more low profile. And what I tell everybody, this was when you started to pay to develop pictures so mm -hmm. <laughs> um, a lot of people, depending on their age, don't realize that once upon a time, and that was probably one of the few things that you had available uh, as far as equipment uh, or maybe a recorder when you went to paranormal investigations. It was a lot more low-key. And so I've been doing this for a while, and I've seen the evolution. I've seen a lot of strange things personally. Um, and also, as you know, as far as uh, experiences, a lot, uh, you know, people come and after a while they come and they tell you stories because, believe it or not, there's a lot of people out there that are afraid of being not, not laughed at, but they don't want to get that weird look. Um, so mm -hmm. they kind of sometimes keep those stories to themselves. So besides my own personal experiences, I've heard a lot of different stories uh, from different sources. And uh, then along the, the lines, you know, I started writing some books and you know I got into the show because you know of course with the advent of the internet it's just a lot of people they they want to hear about those experiences and ghosts or god there's a like I say the paranormal is a lot of different things it's not strictly ghosts there's a lot of things out there what I call them, the never never uh cryptids uh just weird unexplained stuff uh so do you have cryptids down in uh Miami? Well, the closest thing we had, kind of, was the skunk ape, which is the Florida version, I guess, of Bigfoot, Sasquatch. Mm -hmm. um, I never had any experiences, per se. Uh, I did speak to somebody who, uh, back in the 70s, was spending some summers down here in the county right north of Miami-Dade County. And this was, of course, when the Everglades was basically a lot further east, it began. And um, he was uh, was visiting with some family, and they had just put in a new development 
right? Basically, in other words, the backyard of the housing development was on the swamp of the Everglades. And he, they had experiences, and he wasn't aware at that point. He was a teenager. He had no idea about Bigfoot or anything like that. And I believe it started out with, um, uh, they had some cattle that were not mutilations, but that they were eaten. Uh, and apparently this was, uh, they were saying to people, the local people, that it had to do with the skunk ape. Okay, I mean, we have out, you know, further west from where I live, they have a, a skunk ape headquarters that's right in the middle mm -hmm. of the Cypress uh, Preserve. Um, and I've gone airboating out there in that area. And it's very swampy, very marshy, but definitely there's a lot of area out there where something, for lack of a better word, could hide and not be found. So, um, I've heard a bunch about skunk apes. Let's uh, talk about your newest book. I think you released it in December of last year, 2018. Right. Supernatural yeah. Safety? Yes. Um, so, what uh, what prompted you to, to write a book about uh, supernatural safety? Well, um, besides the investigation, I do a lot of consulting, uh, Sean, and I found that a lot of people sometimes... They, like I say, you know, everything now has got a DIY solution, including the supernatural or paranormal. This is basically the book talks a little bit about what are the signs that something's going on or what you need to discount, first of all, before you go down that road. Um, and I, I give some instances of things that you could do, especially like when you're going to move into a new house or you're leaving a house that you've had some type of manifestation in. Like you want to make sure you don't want to take anything with you. Um, you know, some prayers, the different things. And of course, I um, <clears throat> part of the book is there's certain scenarios where I say this is not a DIY. You need to get a paranormal team uh, or clergy whatever the case might be, because this is something that you do not want to tangle with, which is more rare than people think, but I do uh, give, uh, you know, some, you know, if you see this or you experience this, then this is what you need to do. Um, and I also talk about if you are going to pick a paranormal team, what are you looking for? Because basically you're opening your door to strangers and you want to make up, make sure that the, the team is professional, number one, and number two, that they don't make a, a bad situation worse. And I've heard, I've got on, on enough cases, uh, for lack of a better word, is the cleanup crew behind investigators or people that were there that actually made a true haunting much worse than it originally was. So how, did they, how can you make a haunting much worse? <clears throat> well, let's go with the provocation confrontation scenario. <laughs> let's go with that. <laughs> okay. So don't, don't don't run into a haunted house and start to um, be an, uh, an ass to the ghosts okay. or the paranormal. This is you know and well yeah okay <laughs> let's go do that sounds right okay let's 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 say that that's that's what we're talking about okay what's what we're talking here is let's say that there is something supernatural and again part of the of the what I is that not everything that people automatically think it's a haunting is really a haunting. There's a lot of different things that could be happening that have nothing to do with the paranormal, which, by the way, I tell people, this is what you really want. This is what you're hoping for, that you're going to find a normal explanation for what's going on. But let's say in the case of that there is something supernatural and it's not residual. Or you might have residual and intelligent. 
Okay, if you start with provocation um, or confrontation, sometimes you really don't know what you're dealing with. I've gone into investigations where you have what I call a regular dead person haunting. By this, I mean a human entity. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then you might have also something that's non-human there. You can get a layered effect. And I have gone into investigations where the non-human entity is very manipulative and will basically um, stay back and let the human entities get the attention of the investigators. And if they really don't understand what's going on, but they start going into the provocation, confrontation, Mm-hmm. basically they start tangling with they're not really aware of what they're dealing with in other words okay and something that especially when we come to non-human entities there's something called an invitation and most people think of an invitation as in you are cordially invited to when you're talking this type of a non-human entity and by this i'm not going to say it necessarily when i say non-human it's a demon i think that word is overused sometimes but they take an invitation as exactly a confrontation the confrontation to them or provocation to them is an invitation because especially if they've given certain warnings or certain things uh and you the human or humans persist in confrontation and then people you know think well it's a regular dead person and then they get a big old nasty surprise and a lot of times these non-human entities are not bound to the place. And this is, and I'm, I don't know if you've heard of people then, they have very disturbing and malevolent uh, occurrences where they live, uh, they might get an attachment. I mean, it could, it could become such a major headache just beyond, or in the case of where you get a homeowner that will call you a few hours after you left and saying, come back, this is horrible, something's going on everything is so much worse after you guys left so yes that that could that could be a real problem for somebody that doesn't know what they're doing or what they're dealing with in other words uh so um have have you had uh occasions where the investigators you come in behind investigators that you don't know or sort of aware of that go in and provocate all these crazy things or even bring in their own attachments and they kind of drive the wrong way with the uh, environment, so to speak. All right, let's, I'm going to go with one part of that question, which is people that bring their own things. Yes, I have had instances. I've done a lot of consulting with a lot of teams. A lot of people that have been in this field for a long time know me because I've always been a freelancer. I work with a research foundation that covers all of Florida, but I've worked with a lot of different teams sometimes in other states, uh, if not in person, that I've traveled, you know, we'll talk over the phone. And after a while, the people, the, what I call the, the hardcore investigators, the hardcore ghost hunters, everybody knows who they are in the United States. Um, and for example, when I've talked about it, because sometimes some teams, depending on where area they're in, they really need a warm body to go on investigations. And a lot of people, sometimes they want to join a team. And I hate to say it, but sometimes these people, they're not suited for this because they have something very dark that walks with them. They have a lot of spiritual turbulence that is with them. And what happens is that when they join a paranormal team, for example, and they go to an investigation and there is something intelligent and let's even go a little bit further and dark, 
by this doesn't have to be a demon it could just be uh, a discarnate singular plural that was a dark person when they were alive so therefore it's the same thing as a spirit and when you get when you bring somebody like that into a paranormal situation it's like adding literally gasoline to a fire it it I mean, I've heard of really bad attachments. Uh, that's when you hear about investigators getting attacked, scratched, nightmares, uh, you name it. And I've had uh, team leaders call me and they say, I don't know what's... They, 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 they're like pulling their hair out because they want to help, let's say, one of their team members. Like, what do I do? I feel so guilty. I don't know what's happening. And then when they start doing a little bit of research, they realize that this person has had... Ex very dark experiences or maybe had an attachment with them before they ever joined the team. And it's like, okay, it wasn't your fault. Okay. This is a person that already should not have, first of all, gotten involved into paranormal investigations and much less have gone to a house with a possibility of actual supernatural agency being there. So yeah, that, that, that can happen as far as part of the question that you asked me. Um, mm -hmm. You know, are some people suited to it? Yes. And some people, they are, but they shouldn't. How's that? <laughs> so, uh... I mean, not everybody, intent, but... Well, well here's, here's a question. Is the intent of the paranormal investigator mm -hmm. or the person that actually lives or works in a certain particular area, um, is the intent of that person uh, transcribed or translated into the paranormal activity or what have you. What do you mean by that exactly as far as what is... Uh, yeah, say you got somebody that is kind and good-hearted and, mm -hmm. uh, versus somebody that's you know, not the best of uh, personalities. Okay. Uh, can their intention be translated? Can something feed off a of, yeah. Off a good person versus a bad person, and then believe it or there. not, it's to be perfectly honest with you, it really has nothing to do with it. It really has to do with how intact your aura is, and if your boundaries have ever been violated. People don't understand. You could be um, a really nice person, and you shouldn't be on paranormal doing paranormal work, depending on mm -hmm. um, if anything's ever happened in your past. And you could be a real ass. You could be a jerk. And you could be a great investigator as far as being able to take that person. Uh, and, I'm, and I give this, for, I've talked about this, for instance. I don't know if you're familiar. There's a, there was a book, that, a Stephen King book that was made into a movie. Uh, it was been out for like, I think since the 90s, called uh, Red, Rose Red, which is a house, a haunted house in Seattle. And I don't know if you're familiar with it. And the premise of the movie is that they bring a bunch of psychics to the house and one of the psychics he's a real jerk very highly psychic he's a jerk and sometimes people confuse being psychic or sensitive with being a nice person and you could get mm -hmm. one exclusive of the other okay so i mean don't get me wrong now when we're talking here about attachment or if what's going to happen in a paranormal situation one thing is a person that's disagreeable or obnoxious versus somebody that puts out angry, violent vibes. That mm -hmm. being said, because in the supernatural metaphysical world, like attracts like. And if you get somebody that's always vibrating on anger, 
let's go with the anger. I mean, that's you're you're more than likely going to bring in. Uh, uh, and this is that's another thing. A lot of people think that when you go to a so-called haunted place, house, whatever you want to call it, that the only thing you're going to encounter is what's there, supposedly. My experience mm -hmm. is when you bring in a group of people who are trying to communicate or gather evidence as a paranormal team, you're going to be drawing in entities that have not bound to that place. They're going to come in there trying to make their presence known or to communicate if you've got any psychic. And in my experience after a while, when you do this long enough, everybody becomes a sensitive to some degree or other. Okay, so here you are trying to communicate. And if you think that the only one that's gonna show up is whatever's there, if there is something there, wrong. No, you could get anything coming in there. And again, you come back to who do you have on your team coming in there? Is it somebody that's got you know, just mad all the time. Don't get me, people get mad, but if you get somebody that's always vibrating at that level, that could be a problem for your team. Uh, I also advise people, if you belong to a paranormal team and you, let's say you're coming down with a cold or you're getting really sick mm -hmm. or you're really tired or exhausted, everybody goes through spells of like, you're, you're really exhausted, you've got maybe got a lot of things. Do not go on investigations because again, if you go to an investigation that does truly have something there, guess who they're going to target? They're going to target the weak, the weak link in the team. And physical exhaustion, okay, or emotional trauma, if you're going through something, you know, personally for, you're making, you're putting a bullseye on your head. And I tell people, you know, don't go. I mean, once you straighten things out, whatever the case might be, whether it's your health or maybe you got... Mm -hmm. Then you go back. That's fine. It's not like you're saying never. But I tell everybody, I've seen it a lot of times happen that um, that you're you're just more vulnerable. If there's something there, the big if. Sometimes you will go and there's nothing there. It's residual and it's like, okay, well, but do you really want to chance it? Hmm. So um, if you're... Um uh, sensitive and you are aware that you're spiritually being attacked, is there anything that you can do to um, help yourself out or do you I... need to go see a priest? Or... Okay. Are we talking in that moment or you mean like after when you go home, like all of a sudden you're thinking, uh, something's here with me, something's trying to... Well, well let's start uh, from the beginning. Okay. okay. Uh, well, we've got two hours to go over this. And okay. Obviously. Um, what are the tools that you use or see used in these groups that work? Okay. Yeah. You know, what, what do you take along with you? What do you suggest you take along with you? Okay. Um, like I said, most of the time, I've, I usually hook up with people over there. I don't per se have a team. I am, I'm a free floater. I work with different teams. So, but I work with a lot of people over and over again. Okay, one of the things that I learned was I carry, I mean, besides the, what I just said, you know, do I feel okay? I'm not exhausted physically. I'm not coming down with them. Okay, let's, that, that's fine. Physically, I feel good. I'm not tired. I'm not, nothing extreme beyond the norm. I learned one time, uh, this was really early on, uh, to carry a smudge stick with me. I smudge after, you know, first of all, according to your religious beliefs, your spiritual beliefs, prayer. Prayer is really good. Mm -hmm. Prayer as in protection. Protect me. Uh, 
um, you know, prepare yourself mentally and spiritually for whatever's going to happen. Uh, because again, nothing might, but just in case you want to be spiritually protected. Um, and one of the things, one time I remember, uh, you know, like I said, sometimes we would arrive in different vehicles at a location and, you know, it was, you, you didn't want to stand outside somebody's home and talk about it. So we would like meet like down the street, maybe in the parking lot of a fast food or a, or maybe a gas station too, just like a real 10 minute wrap up before everybody went their way. And I remember one time, this was really early on, uh, we had parked the cars, everybody standing around their vehicles, just talking. And we hear something moving around in one of the, the ladies trunks of her car. Like, I mean, moving, <laughs> like we all looked at each other, like, and this was, it was late at night. So it was really quiet. It wasn't like, but anyway, you can still hear noise coming from the trunk of the vehicle. And she looked at us and we're looking at her. Like, did you, what did you, you know, is, did you lock, what did you lock in your, in your trunk? Okay. And of course the car is stationary and we're like looking at each other and she's like, there's, and of course it was like, well, okay, you need to open up your trunk. You're going to open up the trunk because I'm telling you, all of us being investigators, we all like, we all had a moment there. And this was, it was very, very loud. It wasn't like she opened a trunk. There was nothing in there except the junk that everybody carries around in their vehicle. And we realized mm -hmm. at that point that something was, had come with us. And I know this sounds really weird of all places, the trunk, but then I started thinking about it, but I'm thinking, you know what? I guess the trunk is the equivalent of the basement or the attic in a house, the dark place where you hide out mm -hmm. in. And after that, I realized that's when I started carrying a little smudge stick with me uh, that before I would leave and go home, I would smudge my whole vehicle down uh, and then say another prayer. And I would say out loud, no hitchhikers, nobody's coming with me. Nobody's welcome to come. And you feel sometimes foolish at the beginning because basically it looks like you're talking to thin air. But mm -hmm. that helps, I believe, a lot. Again, if you do have anything intelligent so that wants to come with you. I'm sorry. So a smudge stick is what? White sage? White sage. I mean, smoke there? well, you know what? It, the reason why I use that is because they sell like little something that's compact that you can carry with you. You know, they usually have mm -hmm. like you have white stage or ones that are with copal. Um, yeah, and it's, it's basically like, um, if, even if it's negative energies, even if it's, even if we're not talking here, uh, an actual intelligent entity, for example, if you've ever gone to a place where there's even negative energy, maybe there's dynamics or something going on in that household that's very negative, people don't realize that that can imprint on the fabric on a metaphysical level of where you're at. If it's heavy enough and repetitive enough, who knows? That might even be a contributing factor to phenomena that's going on there. It's basically like, I want to leave it all behind. Entity or anything negative. It's like, you're not coming with me. And mm -hmm. uh, I've heard of investigators. If you don't want to go down the, the, the road of an actual intelligent entity hitchhiking with you, I've heard of people getting home and busting out crying, feeling sad, feeling depressed, feeling angry. And they're like, I don't know what happened to me. Uh, you know, and it's like, I don't have a reason. And it's because basically they've had that negative energy uh, just kind of like, you know, attach itself to them. And it translates and you just don't understand why you're feeling that way. For no reason, in other words. 
Okay. So um, when you uh, come across these haunted locations or these paranormal um, locations, do they have particular aspects, uh, properties, like are they next to water or are they over a natural spring or underground river or anything like that? Something, you know, um, Indian burial grounds? Well, you know what? I'm going to tell you, this is what I have found. It depends. I have found that, yeah, in some cases, water might be a contributing factor as far as an amplifier. It's not as a cause it, okay? It just sometimes amplifies it. Um, what I have found also is, uh, this is especially has to do with uh, hauntings having to do with elementals or non-human. When people dig wells, when you do stuff like into the ground, which by the way, here in, in South Florida, we don't have really basements because over here we have limestone. So you would have to basically dynamite <laughs> to get a basement. But we do, there's a lot of people that, you know, they have the wells. And I've, which I have seen a lot of um, disturbances caused by non-human entities that have been brought about by stuff that's been like digging I mean, not digging like a plant. I'm talking, again, like a well. Uh, something into the mm -hmm. ground, which, again, I think a lot of other parts of the country where you see really dark hauntings tied into cellars and basements, I think my own personal theory is that that's part of it, uh, where there's almost... In it, it's There's a darkness to the haunting that sometimes people will say it's a human spirit, but a lot of times I think that there's also a non-human or elemental aspect that manipulates a human spirit. And that's why you get some really, really, you know, I don't know if you've heard of it, people where there's caves underneath the house or, you know, basement cellars. There's always something very dark associated with a haunting. And I have found mm -hmm. that um, here in South Florida, sometimes, you know, we do have uh part of uh you know we have religious beliefs as far as some of the people here there's a haitian community there's cuban there's a version a variation of voodoo even though it's different for in, uh, for the cubans it's santeria brazilians candomble but it's based on afro-caribbean belief systems and um and even in some of the hoodoo beliefs which is what's called crossroads magic uh so i have seen stuff that has bled onto properties where it's the corner of either a three-way or a four-way um and they've left stuff there they've left ritual items they've left discarded you know dead animals chickens uh also you do see spell work thrown on railroad tracks that's part of the belief system to care usually it's something very negative it's something that's being that's been taken away from somebody, let's say maybe a curse or a streak of bad luck, and it's thrown on the railroad tracks because of the iron and to basically sweep mm -hmm. it away. And I have run across cases where um, properties that either run up to the railroad or very, very close by, it I have seen it bleed into that property. Uh, and that's usually, you'll get a lot of stuff, sometimes inside the house, but sometimes out in the yard or in the property line. I've also run across where people have had curses put on the property. This is, I tell people, if somebody does something to the land, let's say let's say you move into a house, for example, and mm -hmm. somebody did something to that property, they buried something on there, curse-wise. 
it doesn't matter that you're not the person that that was intended for. It's going to affect that property, that land, that house, and you're going to suffer the consequences. And the person that was meant for moved away, and now you're going to take the brunt of it. Whatever was done doesn't understand that you're not the intended victim that that curse was placed for. Sometimes you could, I've seen that happen as as well. That can be very dark, by the way. Really dark and invasive, but yeah. So yes, it, it, mm. there's a lot of different aspects. Uh, and then, of course, you do have people that when you talk to them and you you know they start confiding and being a little bit truthful you realize that it's not the property it's them <laughs> some people they like wherever you go there you are they so they bring out they bring their own baggage well yeah yeah and they kind of like sometimes are in denial or maybe early on it wasn't really in their face it was very subtle and then as time and years go by sometimes it takes years it has stepped up a notch it's become more sinister uh, and uh, sometimes if things in their personal lives are not good, it, it, and then but and then they want to blame it on the house and it's like when you start talking to them really talking to them then you realize that maybe there is something in the house but but you also got your own stuff going on as well which by the way a real good paranormal investigator will have that conversation with their client or clients whatever the case might be and hopefully they're going to be truthful with you by the way Hmm. Um, so what do you usually do uh, when you get called in for to help out on a case or whatever? Do you automatically go to the property or the person well, automatically or do you do research or what do you do? The, the team that I, I still work with them, um, they used to do like a two-part. They used to do a science and a spiritual. The first part was basically a pre-interview and it was to determine in other words they would not go in there with the assumption that it was actually paranormal or supernatural it was like let's see does it require a spiritual visit a psychic visit whatever you want to call it so it was like a two-part visit and i've worked on both ends of it i've worked on the uh pre-interview speaking to the person uh getting details from them and going in there basically doing measurements what's going on base readings uh, is there something here in the house that could be causing what they're describing? Okay. And if that says yes, then we go to the second step. And that's one of the things I, and I'm going to give you, for instance, Sean, I tell everybody, mm -hmm. um, for example, right now, the house I live in is a hundred years old. <clears throat> it's got a small chimney that empties out into the living room area. Okay. And uh, when we're not using it, which of course is very seldom because I'm in South Florida, but this is a really old house and I have like a concave screen on it, but sometimes we don't close the chute all the way at the top. And I remember one time I was sitting in my office and I'm hearing some weird noise and I was like, what in the world is that? And I would walk out into the middle of the house and I'm like, it would quiet down. I would walk sit back down and then I would hear some weird, but I couldn't make out like what? And I'll tell you, there's people that I've heard of that have run from their house when they hear this and they'll sleep in their car and then they yeah. wake up. Turns out there was a blackbird that had come down the chimney and it when I would walk away, it would try to flap against the screen and try to get out. 
But it was so smart that when I would walk back in, it would just look at me. But it, since it was, of course, a blackbird, it would look for me from the darkness of the chimney and, and wait till I left. Mm -hmm. And finally, one of the times I stood there and I saw it, and I was like, okay, it's you. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, we've got one question from the uh, YouTube chat over okay. on the dark waters. Uh, All right. This live. Uh, anything you should do when moving into a new property? Yeah. Cleanse it. Cleanse it. I don't care if it's got, uh, if it looks beautiful, clean, even if it's brand new. I've had cases of hauntings, even in brand new developments. Even if it's got a fresh coat of paint, I would say be besides the cleansing, uh, depending, of course, <clears throat> what kind of flooring you have, I would put salt in the corners. If you can mop it, mop it and put a little bit of ammonia in the water, just a bit. There's some lemon scented ammonia that you could put. But I would definitely put a little bit, just all you need is a little bit of salt in the corners of each room, okay, and smudge it. You start, you face inward from the door and you go counterclockwise and you open up all the cupboards, all the closets, and basically just say only light and love may exist here. All negative energies or entities must leave. And of course, prayers, whatever your spiritual beliefs are, okay. But you should do this before you move one stick of furniture in there. Absolutely. Because you never know what went on there. Let's not even go with a ghost thing. If something was some type of dysfunction, arguments, or sadness, sickness, even physical sickness, somebody that was ill, lived there, that could still be present in the fabric of that place. And you don't want to walk into that and then basically get slammed with it because that's what happens. And of course, if you've got something supernatural, paranormal, you want to dispel that. Okay, you want to dispel it. And I, I tell everybody, as a matter of fact, I even tell people, if you go to a flea market, if you pick up something off the curb, if you go to a garage sale, I would do the same thing with any item before I even bring it into my house. But absolutely, if you're moving anywhere, do that. Yeah, that uh, actually was one of my questions I want to ask you about uh, was haunted objects, like yeah. everyday items. Uh, another thing, is this the same same techniques that you just uh, described for houses? What if you're in an apartment building, say in the middle of New York City, San Francisco, and you're in the middle, move into a new apartment, and you've got people to the left of you, right of you, across the hallway, above you below you what do you need to do is it the same thing yeah and one thing i forgot to mention that people don't realize and if you look in the catholic roman rituals of exorcism you need to exorcise the water and the salt in other words before you use water or salt you need to purify it okay in other words which by the way i include the 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 the, the prayer in that book the supernatural safety you must purify what you're going to mm -hmm. use before you use it as in a blessing. Um, and yeah, same thing, same thing. As a matter of fact, even more so, because basically you've got people like right, I mean, I've lived in apartments before and sometimes you get great neighbors and then other times you don't. <laughs> so yes, absolutely the same thing. You know, so what if you, uh, say you, you don't have any paranormal anything occur to you in your entire life and you move into this great apartment and the person next to you or across from you within a doors door two is practicing uh dark magic witchcraft 
mm-hmm. and stuff starts happening to you, what can you do for that? Okay. This is, believe it or not, what I just described is almost the precursor, almost to keep something like that away. Let's say you move into a place. You have no idea really who your neighbors are, what they do, but you've already done this. Then you come to find out, like you said, my neighbor is like, there's something going on. First of all, it's going to act as a barrier. Okay. Now, one of the things, let's say you get to the point that you realize this person, whether they like you or not, you just you realize that they're practicing dark magic and that's a big problem. But uh, what I tell everybody is you need to put a guardian at your door. You need to, besides the salting and a barrier on your doorway, you call a guardian, you could call an angel. And again, I'm trying to be very general because I want people to, whatever your belief system is that you feel comfortable with, you need to place a guardian at that doorway, uh, basically, and it will keep away anything trying to come in through that door, especially if you get somebody that for some reason, you know, and I hate to say it, I don't want to generalize, but most people that um, practice dark magic at some point, they, 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 they're always in conflict, okay? Whether it's their neighbor or personally. So when you least expect that this person might start giving you dirty looks and start trying to do something against you and you might be thinking like what's up with this and this is and you have and by the way i tell everybody this is not a one-time thing depending on what's going on but let's say with that neighbor let's let's go with that neighbor scenario you might need to do it weekly or monthly because people think oh it's once i did it once no you need to do this just sometimes even when you pick up stuff on on the way you're you know you're out someplace and just to make sure the negativity stays out, okay? And I'm going to say it again. The power of prayer can no, not be overstated. It, it's, it's, it's not, and by the way, it doesn't have to be tied to any ritual as far as a certain way of saying the prayer. It's what you believe in your heart and what you feel safe with. I definitely think that you need to incorporate that in whatever you do uh, and believe it. And believe it, belief is very powerful, uh, uh, you know, when you do it with prayer. And one of two things, and if it really gets to the point, you ask for that person. You, you'd be surprised how many times prayers are answered when people move away, when that neighbor, that problem neighbor, for some reason, mm-hmm. <laughs> gets evicted, moves out, something happens, and they just like, they, all of a sudden, when you least expect it, they're gone. That's it, bye. Um... And, uh, and it's very tempting. I want to say Sean, sometimes, especially when you feel maybe this person, you cannot answer, be aggressive in the sense of wanting to wish the mill. In other words, and I tell people this on a metaphysical level, if you want to manifest something, you got to leave it open. Let God, the universe, however you want to look at it, let them handle it the way that the best, most, the most best outcome for you but sometimes you in your head might be thinking you know what i hope this person you know gets evicted gets run over by a truck whatever you know you're maybe you're so fed up and sometimes you don't 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 get specific on the outcome to say please protect me and if this is the best thing please have this person move away or just whatever but whatever is the best outcome the most benevolent outcome you'd be surprised how sometimes things come about (laughs) you know because we sometimes only have a limited idea 
or view of how a certain outcome can come about. And sometimes you have to step back from it and let it. And then you'll be surprised like, man, I would never have thought it could work out that way. And it does. But you have to trust hmm. as far as surrender and trust that you're going to be protected and that the outcome for you is going to be the best. Hmm. Well, uh, Marlene, would you like to, uh, I don't know how, uh, how you feel about it, but would you like to take some callers? Sure. Possibly? Absolutely. Okay, folks. Uh, for the folks that are listening on 107.7 in New Orleans, uh, this is the call-in number, 931-994-6917, 931-994-6917. Please call in and uh, you know, uh, ask anything of my guest, Marlene Pardo, or myself, about uh, paranormal experiences or whatever. So, um, Marlene, what was your first uh, paranormal experience that you can remember? You know what I tell everybody? I was a teenager, and I didn't really realize it was paranormal till later, because when you're a teenager, you don't think about those things. Uh, and I remember we, uh, me and my uh, mom, we had moved. There was a house that I grew up in a neighborhood, and we moved away, and then there was a house that was for rent across the street from my grandmother. So it was uh, an older couple. Their daughter had grown up, left. She became widowed. She decided to rent it out. And we moved in. And everything was fine. And I was 15, 16, something like that. And I remember my one of the every once in a while, I, I, I had a, a, a guy I was dating, you know, that stuff where he was a bus boy and he lived. <laughs> and I tell everybody, this was around the time where there was no cellular phones and all you had was a phone with a really long cord. <laughs> You know, so my mom, we had two phones, one in the kitchen, one in my mom's bedroom. So I would take the kitchen phone and stretch it to the hallway and I would just have the hall light way on and I would be we're talking to in the morning because he'd get out of work around midnight. And, you know, it was one of those houses with a raised flooring and I, we would have the windows open and it would be very quiet. That's my point. It was really late at night. It was quiet. And a couple of times it had chain link fence and I remember like... I would, even though I was talking to them, I would hear the chain link fence like rattle. The first couple of times I was thinking like a cat, you know, like, you know, when they're jumping. But there's a part of me, even though I'm talking, man, man, that's a really heavy cat because I would hear it like rattle. The gates, you know, they had, it had a, two gates for where you would bring the car into the carport and then a regular gate. And I would hear them rattle. And I was like, hmm. And then a couple of times it stepped up. I started hearing somebody walking on the grass around the house, a tread to the point that I told him, hold on. And I ran and I threw myself in my mom. My mom was asleep. I jumped on the bed on top of her. And I said, there's somebody in the house. There's somebody out in the yard. My, my mom, my poor mom, wigged out. We turned off the light. By the way, this yard had no trees. There was no bushes, no, nowhere anybody could hide. There was nobody out there. Nothing. And plus, I didn't hear, even hear somebody running away. If you're thinking pee-pee Tom. No. That happened a couple of times. My poor mom, I, I, I must have scared her to death. Okay. And then I want to say one of the ultimate things that happened, this was my mom would leave before me to go to work. And she would tell me, if you ever stay home, you need to call your grandmother and let her know that you are here in the house. And I remember one time I didn't, it wasn't that I didn't feel well. I just like, oh, I want to stay home. As a matter of fact, I went and I got in my mom's bedroom in her bed, which was at the end of a long hallway. The kitchen of the house was towards the front. And what wakes me up is I hear somebody rattling around in my kitchen. 
you know, when people like open the cupboard door and uh, they're pulling out the, the drawers and they're like rattling stuff around inside the drawer. And my grandmother had a key to the house, but my grandmother would never have come over afterwards. I thought about it, but I thought when I hear this rattling around, I'm thinking my grandmother came over. Okay. It was really weird because, but anyway, and I'm thinking, you know what? Uh, God, she's over here. Darn it. And then all of a sudden I hear somebody come walking down the hallway to the bedroom that I'm at at the end of the hallway. So I'm like, I'm going to get in trouble. She's going to ask me why I didn't go to school. So I turn over and I pull, you know, I'm, I'm like pretending to be asleep. By the way, I was fully awake. So that's why I know what I was hearing. I feel somebody come to the doorway of the bedroom. And it's really funny because my grandmother, may she rest in peace, was a short lady. And for some reason, even though I wasn't looking mm -hmm. at the doorway, I felt like it was a tall, somebody tall looking at me. Okay. So I hear the person walk up to me, get the blanket and pull it over my shoulder. Okay. And I was, again, I'm pretending to be asleep thinking because my grandma's going to grill me why I didn't go to school. Okay. Fast forward. I stayed in the house. I didn't call my grandmother because my mom comes home from work. She usually, she would go over to my grandmother's house. Five minutes later, I get a phone call. Why didn't you tell your grandmother that you stayed home from school? I'm like, what are you talking about? She came into, she saw me. She even covered me. I'm hearing my grandmother in the background going, I did, never went over there. What is she talking about? She's lying. And I'm like, no, she was here this morning. You know, I heard in the kitchen, she even came and pulled the blanket. And I hear my grandmother having like, because they're thinking I'm like, you know. At this point, I realize and I, I, that it, whatever it was, I think it was that same entity. My grandmother wouldn't have lied. First, and then I started thinking about it. my grandmother. First of all, she had real bad arthritis in her knee. She would not have come over. There was nothing in our house. She just, even though she had a key to the place, I know her. She would not have come over. But at that moment, mm. you know, I really think that whatever was in that kitchen that came and pulled the thing is whatever I would hear walking around the yard every once in a while and uh, making the, the chain link fence rattle. And... Um, hmm. The only thing I could think of was that the couple that had lived there for a really long time, even when I was a kid growing up, uh, he died away. I was thinking, maybe this is the old owner, you know, the, the gentleman, the husband. That's the only thing I could come up with. So like I said, I grew up in that neighborhood since I was like three years old. And um, then we moved away because she decided to sell it. She had been renting the, 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 the lady. She decided to sell it. And uh, But like I said, when it was going on, really, I... Oh, and by the way... About a week later, all of a sudden the phone rings like at two or three in the morning. My mom picks up the phone. It's my grandmother. My grandmother tells her, is Marlene there? And it just so happened that that night I was sleeping with my mom. And she's like, yeah, she's right next to me. She goes, are you sure? Yeah. She goes, I just heard because I would, when I would cross to my grandmother's house, I would knock a certain way and I would call her name, you know, especially the door was locked, you know, usually it was open, but, and she goes, I heard her right now knocking on the front door of my house and calling me and my mom is telling her no but she's here right next to me in bed that was another weird like a mimic thing so yeah that's my first paranormal ghost experience mm. um so what's the uh, difference between an intelligent haunting and a residual haunting okay that's uh oh wait wait a minute. um Go ahead and answer that question. I've got the question I just sure. saw pop up in the chat, right? Okay. If you... 
residual haunting is something that basically has no intelligence something that was repeated so often like sometimes people will say well they smell certain smells baking bread coffee certain you know steps going up and down the stairs <clears throat> something that was done repetitively over and over again and basically it imprints it and sometimes people witness it smell it hear it on a daily basis sometimes it comes and it goes sometimes it's an anniversary thing you also hear of certain apparitions sometimes when you see um things that they don't seem to be aware of the humans at all and they're always seen in the same exact like the same like a loop many times that's residual there's no intelligence there's no soul that's trapped there it's just like something on a loop and most of the residual stuff that i've seen is usually attached with smells scents auditory every once in a while you'll get an apparition but there's nothing there it's just and you usually don't get a bad feeling. You might wig out thinking like, what is that? But there's, you don't get that really scared feeling that you get when it's an intelligent haunting. Uh, and then of course, when you're talking intelligent, you're talking a trapped human soul. You know, if that's the case, if it's human, might be somebody that's confused, somebody that doesn't understand they're dead. Some of them know they're dead, but they're, for some reason, they feel ownership. They feel... God, it could be a lot of reasons why people get stuck. Some of them are scared. They're scared if maybe they, they're scared of the notion of hell. Maybe they did things that they consider were bad and they're going to get punished. And they're like, I'm not happy here, but this is better than burning in hell, if that was what their beliefs are. Uh, and I think also a lot of people sometimes that didn't believe in an afterlife, that, that thought when you're dead, you're dead, that's it. And then all of a sudden they find on the other side of that, there's still self-awareness and they kind of get trapped because they just don't understand the spiritual aspect of a human being as in their soul. And um, sometimes, I mean, there's one of the things, Sean, that people don't understand is that there's a lot of discarnates that are free, free floating. They're not bound to locations. And, um, you, they they could be any place. Hospitals are hotbeds. Okay, funeral homes, let's not even go there. Cemeteries, you get a lot of traps there. And then there's another aspect, which I talked to a lot of people, that there's something called cemetery sentinels. You got to be really careful with that. Those are non-human entities that you do not want to tangle with. Well, the, I, I know uh, one particular fellow that thinks uh, cemeteries are the least haunted place that you could possibly be since most of it's consecrated ground. Nope. Nope. I'll tell you what. You get a lot of people that, let's say, and, and I'm going to give you the This is based on my experience, by the way. And I know I've heard of that theory like, hey, if anybody's... Sometimes people, let's say they die, whether they're not aware, maybe they died of... Uh, trauma they never regained consciousness they were sedated it was sudden it was violent whatever they missed the memo the part where i'm dead and what they'll do is they'll follow their body around like man what's going on that's my body i can't get in it but i'm not letting it out of my sight so they follow their body all over the place including the cemetery okay and when they're there you know all of a sudden they're hanging out and there's there's, there's other spirits there and they kind of like for lack of a better word of what to do they just hang out. Some of them eventually, okay, and, and this is another thing. If you don't understand that you're dead, that you're deceased, you don't understand or don't want to be, 
whatever, and you have a deceased loved one come and get you, you're looking at them and you're going, you're dead. I'm not going with you there because you're still in that. You still have that self-awareness, whether you understand it or don't want to recognize it. So you miss the, that part of going with your loved ones. And again, this is always free will. They can't make you go if you don't want to. So here you are, you're hanging out at the cemetery. Sometimes people, they kind of catch on after a while. There's an acceptance on a soul level and they move on. And then there's others that don't. Okay. Again, there's a lot of stuff that goes on at cemeteries. Okay. There's a lot of people, dark magic that's done in and around cemeteries that bind souls there invoke stuff that's really dark put barriers down and there's also uh there's a phenomena uh, of something called cemetery sentinels okay you, they can be invoked but i found that they usually will be found in cemetery there's a tipping point usually you will not find them in small graveyards you know those little family things you're not going to find that there Usually it's when you get X amount of burials because what these sentinels usually feed off of is the sadness of the people that go there. The anguish, okay? They're not human. Now, this is really important. They're not out there. You don't mess with them. They don't, they don't mess with you unless you start desecrating graves or you start doing stuff. Because basically what this is... I want. I don't want. But this is almost like a feeding ground for them. That's what I'm saying. There's a tilting point that you need X amount of burials there and people visiting. You know, like an active. And then after a while, even with closed ones, they will stay there. And you've got to be really, really careful with these things. If you get an attachment from a cemetery sentinel, you're in deep doo doo. I'm telling you right now, this is not a question of an exorcism. This is a question of breaking the attachment and having it go back to where it came from, as in the cemetery. And a lot of people do stupid stuff at cemeteries and that's where they get real nasty attachment. It has not really a dead person. It's a sentinel. And those things, they have, they, they don't have a moral compass like we do. They have no pity. They have no mercy. They have low love. They have no hate you can't bargain with them. So all the things that normally people think of as in, I'm going to exercise it does not apply. The rules don't apply. So you have to be really careful with stuff like that. So yes, yeah, cemeteries. I beg to differ. You gotta be really careful with cemeteries. Okay. Well, it's about at the top of the hour. Chasing truth with Sean Graham on the Dark Waters Radio Channel. Uh, welcome aboard 107.7 out of New Orleans. My name's Sean Graham, and you're listening to Chasing the Truth from Normal to the Paranormal. Tonight's guest on Chasing the Truth is Marlene Pardo. Go to www www.marlenepardo.com, all one word, and find out more about her and her paranormal investigations and her um, books that she is doing. She's also a host. Um, Marlene, are you still with us? Yes, I am. Oh, tell us a little bit about, uh, well, let me get to the one question on just a second. Okay. I uh, got one question from the chat room. Okay. Uh, let's see. Me. Uh, hmm. uh, let's see. Do you 
uh, know of anything like uh, any crystals or any like a uh, magic bags, voodoo, hoodoo, stuff like that? Is that effective or does it cause problems for um, mm-hmm. for folks? As far as them carrying them, I mean, I mean, I use there's there's a uh, usually any anything that's a clear crystal, I will carry it with me. Uh, and, yeah. and I don't know if, if, uh, you know what? Well, uh, the, the, it says, uh, here, I found it actually. Do charms, hag stones, crystals, etc. work? Do they need charged or blessed or that's, that's the actual question. Okay. I would say yes, they do. But <clears throat> whenever you get anything like that, it, I, I go by the, you know, the kiss thing, keep it simple, um, silly which means usually if you're going to get a crystal get something that's clear that's number one number two before you even use it you need to consecrate it to your use which means you can put a little bit of water and sunshine and leave it alone because anybody that's handled it again stuff i would basically put it aside for a while before you use it and you carry it and you want to charge it with positive and then every once in a while, depending on what you're doing, you bring it out and you do the same thing. You can run it with water, put it maybe in a cup and let it get some sunshine. Basically, it's like a, it's trying to just clear it away and then you carry it on with you at all times. And again, not only my advice would be, you don't, you don't necessarily have to use it, let's say if you're doing paranormal investigations or you're going someplace, it's just not a bad idea to carry with you because you never know what you're going to run across just on a regular basis, but yes. Uh, now, as far as anything besides crystals, you, again, you have to be really careful where you get things from, from whom you get them, what their intentions are, who makes it. I've heard of stuff that's been used and it becomes a problem because whoever manufactured it or handled it if that person was not a positive person or in a, not a good frame of mind, you take it with you. So you gotta be, you gotta be careful with that. You gotta, you know. In other words, again, uh, keep it very simple. Have you ever heard of a substance called black witch salt? Yes, I have. Yes, I have. Um, what if you find something? Is it good to use that, or if you find uh, something that sort of looks like uh, black witch salt? Black salt is basically uh, it's salt. It's black. It's and it's very it's very powerful as far as uh, it's to seal places. Same thing. If you want to seal a doorway or an entryway, it's very good. And and also, it's almost like a. Like just when I said, if you put a little bit of ammonia, let's say, into something, if let's say you're going to cleanse the room, it's almost like uh, scraping the nails on the chalkboard to negative energies or any energies. Okay. Even if let's say you have a spirit there that's not really bad, but it's that thing is like, that's part of something that you can use. Uh, But again, I don't think using that in and of itself by itself is not going to do it. You need to pair it, but that, yes, that it is, that can be used in a very powerful way. Yes, especially for entryways and windows. Uh, basically like a boundary. How's that? Like a boundary line as far as you mm-hmm. don't want something Isn't to come uh, in. Isn't black witch salt uh, considered black magic? No. Or is it... Uh, Let me tell you something, Sean. This not. is one thing people don't realize. 
black magic, it, it all depends on what is your intent. Okay? Mm -hmm. I'm telling you, you could be using pink stuff with little kitty cats on it. And if your intent is dark and sinister and malevolent and anger and you're wishing bad, that right there is black dark magic. People don't realize it's all in the intent of what you're trying to accomplish and what your intentions are and where you're at as a person. Okay. If, yeah. and I'm going to, uh, and, and people, I'm, and I'm going to go off a little bit off your question. You know, a lot of times people hear about demonic infestation, oppression, obsession, influence. Sometimes, you know, everybody thinks because of Hollywood land that something dark or along those lines has to have a, a dark or sinister aspect to it. And many times it does. But if you have a person that has either surrendered to a possession, a perfect possession, they're being manipulated to look anything but malevolent and dark. It will masquerade and it has that human being will look very, for lack of a better word, very normal. So sometimes... You know, we put kind of tend to put black or dark magic into the stereotypical black, dark aspect. But that can be very mm -hmm. misleading sometimes because you could run across something that's very dark and diabolical. And it'll look, okay. look very sweet. Which is why you have to be careful yeah. with hauntings having to do with children. That's a whole other thing. But yeah, you have to be real careful with that. Mm. I've got uh, one question from the chat room. Uh, Betty mm -hmm. says, um, uh, when using smudging to clear a home yes. or yourself or another, what is actually cleared? All entities, all negativity, and anything else? And then she's got another part after that. But. Okay. It depends. What are you trying to accomplish? Okay. If you go into a place that, let's say you you really don't know and you're just, and it was just regular stuff. You could basically you're clearing away just negative energy. You know, I'm, I want to start fresh, you know, I, I, or I just, you know, want to just like feel better. Now, if you're going, let's say you unknowingly, for example, you moved into a house that God had some really dark stuff or a lot of dysfunction, a lot of arguing and just really turbulent stuff. And you, have, of course, have no idea. It's going to take more than once. Or it's, it's, and I've had people describe, man, after I moved here, like I'm angry all the time. And then you're going to, it's like, it's, you're, it's, it's not a one-time thing. You're going to have to do it and then do it again and then do it the following week. And by the way, I tell everybody, play happy music. You know, let sunshine into your house. Uh, you know, that is especially if you start getting this feeling that there's something, whether it's the energy or an actual um entity if you if you fear is going to feed it darkness is going to feed it and yes you're going to have to do it more than once i suggest to everybody that even if you clear it you should always keep doing it as a regular practice uh, because i'm going to go down the road sean i've had people that you have people that come to visit your house that has something walking with them and mm -hmm. sometimes they leave stuff behind in your house. And you unknowingly, you have no idea. And the person, by the way, might be very nice. Sometimes you don't know what the person's dabbling in or you don't know what's going on in their personal lives. There's a lot of stuff. And they come and they pay you a visit or they're a friend of a friend and they're there. And they they leave something behind with them. 
Uh, so that's why I tell everybody you should do it at the very least once a month uh, just to be on the safe side. It doesn't hurt, you know. Mm. Uh, Betty has a second part to this question. Mm -hmm. uh, can you explain what is happening when the smoke goes out or burns aggressively? I guess he's referring to a smudge okay. stick. Okay, right. With a smudge stick, you know, a lot of people will say that when you get heavy smoke is because, man, that thing is battling. Mm. Uh, again, this is, it, when you do smudging, it's like a two-part thing. If I, right now, I walk around and I smudge and I'm just doing it haphazardly. I'm just blowing smoke like, oh, yeah, all right, here, get out of here. It's not going to work. You know, it is and it's not. It's not really, a lot of it has to do with your intent. I have found that that thing could be smoking very lightly, okay, not really heavy, heavy smoking. But if your intent is there and your prayer is there and you're wanting either to dispel, protect or dispel or whatever, that is, it doesn't really have anything to do. As long, of course, as you keep it lit, you know, smoking a little bit, which sometimes you have to relight it or blow on it. Um, mm -hmm. People don't realize that all these things sean are accessories or tools really we are the power center it's us it's us it's our intent that is what fuels it as far as when you do anything along those lines whether it's to bring something in that's why i said like attracts like or if you're trying to do something in your house to protect yourself or to dispel it or to kick something out that's another thing really important is you have to pos this is your place you have to claim your space uh, of let's say we're talking where you live, you have to really be uh, not afraid. You have to claim it as this is my right. This is where I live, and mm. you're getting out <laughs> or whatever. You cannot be afraid. You and even though you're afraid, you you have to like pretend. How's that? You really do. Yeah. All right. This is kind of on the same vein. Uh, another question: Hazes Coleman from the chat room. Mm -hmm. uh, can a home? feed off of your energy and keep you drained and negative yes absolutely can yes oh yeah and some people okay again it might be something there that you have to do a cleansing smudging it like man maybe for every week for a month and that's another thing that people fall into everybody sometimes we get into this instant gratification where a clap of thunder i smudge and poof it's great no and I've worked with clients, I've done it myself, where you smudge and you smoke, especially if it was something that was really intense that was there. And little by little, you start seeing that darkness or the feelings or whatever's going on recede. And then maybe a month later, you look back and you go, man, the house is lighter or the feelings I was getting, it's better. Uh, it's almost like a process and people don't realize, they think that it's like a switch that you turn on and off. Not, but you have to be consistent. Now, as far as that question, a house, yes. If something, ha if, if are we talking an entity? Are we just talking energy? What happened? If people did rights there, if they did anything dark, uh, if the people that live there, and when I say dark, I don't necessarily just mean like dark magic. There's people that are just bad, or they're they're just they're just turbulent, and they just put off this bad energy vibe. And if they live there, or Things took place there, yes. And you, if you're a little bit sensitive or if you're going through stuff on your own, it amplifies it. And yes, you do feel drained energy-wise and, you know, 
or sad when you think, man, I don't, why am I feeling this way? Or angry. Yeah. There's a part of you that recognizes so, uh, what's going on is not really you, in other words. Yeah. Um, uh, one thing comes to mind is vortexes. Can you explain what a vortex is? Can you close them? Can you open them? Okay. Um, All right. You remember what I talked to you about earlier that I found that elementals will use when people have done wells. Basically, what happens is that you open a vortex when you wound something like the earth, when you open it. And vortexes, by the way, can happen like that naturally, like without intention or can be invoked by ceremony, by spell work. You can have somebody intentionally open. But people don't realize that a lot of dark magicians or if somebody's practicing necromancy, they will use the dead, the spirits of the dead, as in discarnates that have never gone into the presence of God or the divine, either for divination, they'll use those spirits for uh, basically as messengers sometimes or to carry dark curses with them. So they intentionally open um, vortexes. This is why you see a lot of people that they take skeletons uh, from... Um, from cemeteries or they smuggle them because and people ask well what you know you can legitimately buy a human skeleton if that's what you you can it's legal but guess what those bones have nothing attached to them there's no spirit what they want is the spirit that's attached to them a human spirit so yes the vortex is basically a doorway between dimensions i know that there's some theories that sometimes when we're talking uh, even into the extraterrestrial or cryptid explanations, people will say, well, are we talking something that's inter or intra-dimensional, as in vortexes or rips? Some of them are accidental. Some of them are intentional. But basically, it's, uh, I would say it's a doorway between dimensions. And I'm going to leave that as with an S, as in how many? I don't think we, we're kind of getting a grappling with that. Um, and I don't, uh, Sean, and I don't know if you're familiar with some of the, uh, you know, F uh, Father Malachi Martin. Uh, there was something yeah. that he referred to as the middle plateau. There's a lot of things that are in that middle plateau that sometimes they will come through those vortexes. And the, the, the people that will intentionally open a vortex, this is what they're trying to pull through there. And it's usually not for good stuff. That's as a matter of fact, that can be really, really scary. I'll tell you that right there. That that'll bring stuff that, you know, it. I'd rather have a good old dead person any day than whatever can come through some of those vortexes. So you have to be really careful. Um, so um, can a uh, uh, what about Ouija boards? Can that be a vortex, a portal? Um. Uh, okay. Ouija boards. Okay, my, my experience is it's not really per se a vortex, but it's you're trying to communicate with the dead. Uh, and usually, this is, here, here goes Marlene. Usually what you're going to pull in, when you die and you go into the presence of God and the divine, you don't really, you don't want to come back here. You, you're like, hey man, you guys figure it out. I'm good. See ya. So what's hanging out, basically in the metaphysical level that's going to be surrounding in this dimension, it's going to be a... a basically available when you're trying to communicate is going to be discarnates that are malevolent or confused or in other words they're in an in-between state they're in a gray state they're out of the presence of the divine this is a human soul that's trapped let's go with the human soul thing okay so i would say yes if you're very 
knowledgeable about Ouija boards and you know how to open and close a session and what you're doing protection, you're good. That's the minority of people. The majority of people that dabble with that don't understand that what you got surrounding you, even though you can't see it, is mm -hmm. going to be something that you don't know how to handle. I guarantee it. And that, and you know, sometimes people do stupid stuff and nothing really happens. And I've seen it where, again, this is the invite. And everybody thinks an invite is instantaneous. That thing could take you up on an invite, especially if it's dark, sometimes years down the road. Okay? Or it'll start working very slowly to unravel your life. And if you ever follow it back to the point of origin, sometimes then you will hear, and I'm sure you've heard it, oh, I dabbled with a Ouija board three years ago, five years ago, six years ago. Okay? Uh, so what if you find something like that, like a Ouija board oh, or something that has, obviously has, you know, you, like you move into a new place and you find something that has something attached to it. What can you do to get rid of that thing? Can you burn it, bury it, throw it in the water or what? You know what? I, I first of all, I mean, I would, I mean, this goes without saying, you don't, you know, you don't play with it. You don't touch it. You don't, you need to, uh, you know, if anything, you I would never leave it on my property as in bury it or burn it in my property. Um, I would say you could bury it with salt someplace, some other place. Like, I know I, I've heard of some people saying go into consecrated ground, but sometimes that's not really a viable option. Like, you know, somebody comes up and is like, what are you doing digging in a graveyard? You know, how do you explain? Oh, I'm trying to get rid of this Ouija board I found in the apartment I just moved into. But, you know, salt it, sprinkle holy water, say prayers over it, and bury it somewhere, okay? And do a major cleansing of the place you lived in, okay? And, and then I would, I would tell people, if you do find something like that, you need to check every crawl space, every closet, every little attic, anything in that house for any type of ritual or spell work items that were left behind, Maybe not. Maybe all that person did. That's usually not the kind of stuff people leave behind. A Ouija board. Uh, you have to make sure that there's nothing else in that house that's been hidden away um, that that could bring problems. You know, that, that that's a person opened a vortex and there's something there that they left. You, you want to get rid of all that. You would have to go like really thoroughly and look at all the nooks and crannies in the back of the closet, all the way in the back of a shelf. Uh, and again, like I said, if you've got a crawl space under the house or one of these uh, small attic, anything, any place, you need to take a good look and see if you see anything unusual and do the same thing. Get rid of it. And then you just got to be careful. Go. All right. Got a text message question. Mm -hmm. uh, is there any connections between aliens and demons, paranormal? Oh, yeah. Okay, here we go. I'm... I've done, I, I've been a hypnotherapist and I used to work in alternative areas of hypnosis. And I mean, I used to do regular stuff like stop smoking, you know, uh, weight control, healthy lifestyle, all that stuff. But I also worked in spiritual attachments. And you do have a set of hypnotists uh, that ran across some attachments that were basically not human entities. They were extraterrestrials and then you go into the school of thought that basically these extraterrestrials 
are interdimensional. As in, you know, we always think of extra uh, extraterrestrials as coming from another planet, as in distance-wise, whether you want to call it light years, but we're talking linear. Um, and in some cases, basically, I'm, I know it, some people are going to go, huh? We're talking demonic. I mean, they're the way they are or the way they use humans or they're demonic, but they're really their origins are extraterrestrials that come in through other dimensions. And sometimes some attachments, like I said, are not necessarily human entities, but a spiritual attachment of an extraterrestrial. So yes, that is very possible. Uh, I know there's a lot of different theories and schools of thoughts on that. Uh, but based on my experience of what I've seen, I do definitely think that there is something to that thought of extraterrestrials and the demonic having, um, how can I say, that there's a connection there. There's something there that I still haven't figured out. But yeah, I do believe that. Uh, can a person get rid of, uh, say, they all of a sudden started seeing a lot of UFOs, uh, alien problem manifestations? Can a person get rid of it? And uh, how, if they can? Well, you know what? Uh, I have a group out here that every once in a while I used to get together with them that, you know, it's from MUFON, and, you know, people talk about, you know, their experiences with either sightings, and, you know, I talk to a bunch of people that it's incredible that... Their, their UFO sightings or either descriptions of abductions or being visited, how's that? It kind of, mm -hmm. they have like an increase in paranormal stuff. It's really weird that they themselves are like thinking, how did, how did this thing have to do with the other? Because in their minds, they always thought two, there's two separate things. One thing is UFOs, extraterrestrials, and the other thing is paranormal stuff. They don't mix, and they themselves have seen an increased activity or sensitivity. I personally think that yes, that you can. Uh, it's just, I, again, the mindset. I think a lot of people feel or think that, you know, UFOs, extraterrestrials, and when I'm talking UFOs, I'm, uh, I'm, t I'm going with the, the UFOs that are manipulated by extraterrestrials and the paranormal are two separate things. And I think they overlap more than people think. And that, yes, uh, you can't get rid of them, but it's... it's... Here, here's a theory that I came up with, and mm -hmm. I've, I've asked a few guests that are in, really into the paranormal. Okay. Um, ley lines, uh, paranormal encounters, uh, say the, you know, you go over to like a, uh, a couple of places like Bigfoot sightings, uh, mm -hmm. some people can map out this stuff. Yeah. You take these particular maps of sightings of whatever nature it is, paranormal, UFO, Bigfoot, and mm -hmm. lay it on top of each other, and they kind of correlate with each other. And then you lay the parallel or lay the ley line map on top of it, and it kind of correlates. Yes. Have you noticed anything like that? Yes, yes. And, you know, um, because I remember once originally, you know, a lot of people would look at ley lines. This was, I'm talking 20-something years ago, where people would say they would find like churches and temples and you know or some churches that were built on sites of older temples basically would run along ley lines like they're basically their energy lines i don't know if they want to call them energy amplifiers 
And I think that, yes, that there is a direct connection between extraterrestrial visitation, uh, cryptid sightings, an uptick of more, how can I say, more visible paranormal activity, whatever it might be. I know that there's a lot of people that think also that the, let's say, cryptid sightings have to do also with inter intradimensional travel or rips. Uh, and almost, I've heard, is it, you know, do we have extraterrestrials that are coming in through a vortex? And, you know, sometimes we have cryptids that come in through, like, you know, when the door opens and your cat or your dog slips through? Is, mm -hmm. Does that account for some sightings? But yes, absolutely, that there is some correlation between ley lines and power centers. Um, I've, I've done dowsing myself. Um, as a matter of fact, I doused to get some wells out here on the property that I live on. Uh, so, and I, and I, and I've used it for other stuff as far as paranormal work that, yes, I think that it, it, it amplifies I energy. That, that, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. I've actually seen dousing myself when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. Uh, there was a fellow that did a lot of dousing and he took, uh, willow branches. Mm -hmm. uh, is there a particular, um, medium like a willow branch tree branch uh, a thin piece of metal or metal? right yeah no the the ones what? i've had i've had them for like they're metal they're like the metal ones because i i, I when i started dousing i didn't have the i i was i didn't really have a mentor per se so i was like okay and i've i've had mine for like i want to say 15 years or more or less something like that Matter of fact, they're hanging in behind. Mm -hmm. I carry them everywhere with me. When if I go on a paranormal investigation or anything, they're always with me. And they are. They. I've even had. I've. And it's really funny because, I've had other people try to use them and it won't work for anybody else. They'll only work with me. And I can tell you right now, you. I can have them, and I'll just put them, and then I just put my my hands right through them, and I can feel the power. I mean, it's, it's really weird but it's almost like a surge of electrical static that comes that you can feel it like on the palm of your hand if you like pull your hand right through the rods and it i could not have used them maybe for a couple of months and they'll still feel that way um but yeah and i've used them for, for finding other stuff and it works you know because some, sometimes people think you know, the subconscious plays a part in it. In other words, we know the knowledge. We're just not cognizant of it. But I've used them to come across things and find things that there's no way, no way I could have known where that was. So, um, yeah, no, mine are the metal ones, the thin metal rods. The, mm -hmm. That's the, that's the kind that I use. Copper or what? Yeah. They're copper. copper. They're copper. As a matter of fact, I'm looking at them right now. Yeah, they're copper. Um, and they're very simple. You know, they're not that big. And it's like everything, um, like any like any tool that once you use it, and that's what I call it, it's consecrated to you. You use it and it becomes part, uh, it works with your energy, with your own personal energy, which is why I was telling, whenever you use anything like this, whether it's for paranormal investigations or any type of spiritual, you need to cleanse it and consecrate it to your use and it becomes, it works with your energy. Uh, so yeah, this is, I, I urge anybody, if, they, if they're going to go into dousing, you know, it's, it's a very interesting, but yes, it, you start understanding better and better. Yeah, you know, you have ley lines, but there's a lot, I think there's minor ley lines sometimes uh, on properties, just little energy centers that you'll find 
on properties, whether it's because there's a spring that runs underneath it or whatever the case might be. Yeah. Hmm. Um, let's see. We were talking. Um, have you noticed with a lot of people dabbling in the occult, have you noticed a lot of um, possessions, yeah. so to speak, or more hauntings from people dabbling in, in stuff that they don't know about? Yeah, yes. Yes, I do. I And I, I want to say that, yes, I have. And... I, won't, I, I don't like to be an alarmist, Sean, because I really don't, because I grew up reading Hans Holzer, scary ghost books, but that's quite different from actually dabbling in it. And I have run across so many things that people actually get to manifest or invoke or summon out of sheer stupid. They're stupid and it works. <laughs> it's like, you know, it's like, and then they they don't know what they've done and it becomes sometimes it becomes an attachment uh and it can it, and again by the way this sometimes takes a little bit to start incrementally getting uh, affecting the person that dabbled with it that it opens you up to dark hauntings yes and by this i want to underline dark um you i'm gonna say you also sometimes you know that guilt by association stuff works just as well you know, you could be collateral damage if you're with somebody who does something like this. You go to a cemetery, you're with somebody, you're just there to watch. Ah, I want to, you know, hang out. I've seen it jump on and attach to people just because you might be more vulnerable, even if you were not the main person that actually did the ceremony or did whatever. You were just there watching. And you could still get in trouble with this and it can be really dark and i stress this because i think sometimes reality shows people think it's exciting and they i i don't think they really understand how damaging um having something malevolent or maleficent come into your life and again forget the hollywood version of flying furniture it starts basically working on a spiritual mental psychological level to corrupt a human soul, a human being. And that's the best way I can think of it. It's very dark. People should be really, really careful with that. I'm telling you. Mm. And, and, and I don't mean to be an alarmist. I don't mean to be like, oh, you know, but you really have to be careful what mm. you're doing, where you're going and who you're with and follow your gut. If there's something that tells you, don't go there, don't do it. Just, you know, follow your intuition because chances are you're gonna save yourself a big giant headache. Uh, so, so folks that um, uh, watch these paranormal shows or or whatnot, so that you see on um, whatever cable network that you want to go consume that kind of stuff, uh, if they actually go out and they they just want to experience a uh, um, ghost research, go into a haunted place. Uh, do you suggest they do that? Because I, I actually saw something just the other day about a haunted church down in Australia, and these people were getting uh, pecked on, brushed up against, things were moving around in the in this old old church. Uh, do you suggest that? Not okay. This is the thing, and I know everybody wants to have that wow moment, and when you read about it. 
And this is not like the horror movie that you get scared and then the lights go up and you leave and it's like, oh, it was a movie and it's over. I'm done. Now I go back to regular life. Sometimes, whether it's a church or whatever, if you have something that's that active, you might you might be you might walk away from it and maybe your auras will protect you and something that will attach to you will try to influence you a little bit and you'll get some thoughts that you'll like, man, I don't usually think that and it'll go away. Basically, you're a whole and intact person as far as your aura is concerned. Okay, but if you if you've got any history of emotional trauma. Your boundaries have been violated any time in your life. Uh, a, a bunch of stuff. You, it, it will, it will target you. And when you just go there just to have fun or just to have a, a scary moment, it could become more than that. And the thing is that maybe when you're ready to say, I don't want to do this anymore. I got scared. And I don't want to do this anymore. It doesn't work that way. And it will get progressively worse and darker. And like I said, sometimes it take months and in some cases years depends on what is that it totally unravels a person you know you then you hear about people having nightmares it starts with nightmares let's say and then then you get the thing where you start hearing stuff or the feeling of being watched or um everything is different but yes i would tell people you have to really and even these legend trippers you know sometimes they're not really per se going in a paranormal haunt but they go to places that have reputations even then, you have to really be careful and have to be really honest if you're vulnerable on a spiritual slash emotional or psychological level. Um, do you really want to go there? Or should you just go take a walking paranormal tour that really doesn't go into any places and maybe you have somebody tell you a story? Sometimes that is the best mm -hmm. option if you fall into any of those categories and basically do paranormal light. Like, hey, you know what? I'm going to have somebody tell me the story and... We're going to go walking around and and you're thinking, man, that's dull. I, I want the hardcore scare stuff. But in some cases, for some people, that's a really bad idea, Sean. It really is. I've, I've had I've dealt with people that have come to regret those decisions very, very deeply. Uh, got another question from the chat room from Greg. Are there ways to tell if someone is using spells, etc., for their benefit or against someone? Okay, uh, spell work, let me explain. Spell work usually, again, is only as powerful as the intent behind it, okay? As a matter of fact, the most powerful person that knows how to do spell work doesn't even need stuff, doesn't need candles, doesn't need candles of those certain colors. If their intent is that sharp, and you will even have people that do spell work that's not really a spell work. If you have somebody that obsessively thinks, let's say, ill stuff about you, when I, and by the way, when I mean obsessively, 24-7, they're there just constantly. They can produce the same effect as a spell work against you. Sometimes, in some cases, let's go with a traditional. You might have, depending on the spell, what it's aimed for. You might have nightmares. Um, you might have weird feelings that are, you know, stuff that you recognize that is not like you. You're either thinking or in some cases even doing stuff uh, that you, there's a part of you that recognizes, wow, that's not really me. Now, it's kind of weird because it's a fine line because fear actually feeds negativity being directed against you. Okay. But what's the worst that can happen? You suspect, you can't get paranoid either. You always also have to believe that you have the power 
and the ability to ask for aid and help and protection from God, from angels, from what, you know, beings of light, whatever. Okay. And it will protect you. In other words, it will deflect away from you, but you can't feed into it. You can't try to do like a power struggle. Uh, and yes, it sometimes, like I said, that's why you have a lot of people that will go to, depending on what they're working, will go to somebody to do the spell work for them, to put a curse on somebody. Because it's not that easy. In other words, you have to go, everybody thinks, oh, it's the person with the special knowledge. Mm, it's just the intent. That's why people sometimes pay a lot of money to do spells and curses against enemies or just somebody they don't like. Uh, maybe sometimes somebody they were romantically involved with. Uh, it's not that easy to do, but that, yeah, yeah, it can be. That you can protect yourself, yes. Uh, and again, I'm going to I'm gonna repeat what I said. You, As much as you would want to ha ask for this person to, like, fall off a cliff, don't do that. Don't. Don't fight. That fire with fire part doesn't work that way. Basically, all you have to do is protection and the most benevolent outcome. Leave it up to the universe, God, to manifest the most appropriate thing. And you'd be surprised. You would be surprised, God, how things sometimes maneuver or work out that get you the outcome you want in the most unexpected ways. So, yeah. You're not helpless, in other words. If somebody, if you think somebody put a spell on you or cursed you or anything like that, it's not like, oh, I'm, I'm in trouble now. I'm in deep doo doo. Not really. Not, not. You know, there's, there's things that you can do. Without trying to curse them back, so, in other words. <laughs> so what if you know somebody that is act actively trying to curse you, mm -hmm. uh, do some sort of negative or whatever? What is uh, What's uh, something that you can actually do besides um, what you just outlined? Okay, you know what? You, is there... Besides the besides, let's say the spiritual or the thing, there's a lot of people that will say. You know how people will say, "Well, you know what? I'm going to envision a white light or surrounding me of protection." You could do what they consider basically. Uh, if you if if you really really feel that, or you know, like you said, man, this person I know is doing dark magic, or uh, basically you. You know, whether you want to visualize it or imagine it, depending on how your mind works, a mirror. In other words, have it go back to them. And by the way, that works with everything. Like, if you wish me well, basically what I'm sending back to you is good wishes. And the same works if somebody wishes you ill. And if they're doing uh, cursing or spell work, let me tell you something. People sometimes don't understand the laws of magic and the metaphysical exactly how they work. Um, that sometimes if, if you, because if you start going, if you start lowering your vibrational level to basically curse the cursor, you're, you, you're lowering your vibration. You don't want that. You don't, you don't, and you don't want to engage in, and almost like the worst thing for somebody like that is to be ignored. You don't engage it. You don't give it your anger. You don't give it your fear. Or even if you do, you pull away from it and you say, I'm going to trust that God, the universe, however you want to phrase it, is going to protect me and give this person what they deserve or what they need, whatever the case might be. And sometimes you never find out. Sometimes you do find out what happened, and sometimes you never do. But things sometimes... I, 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 I've seen where people move away. The person... Uh, I mean, a lot of weird stuff happens 
that you're like, man, I, I didn't think that that could work out that way. And it does. But you can't feed into the field. You cannot get paranoid where you're thinking that this person has the upper hand or they're more powerful or anything like that. That's that's uh, that's very misleading. That's not really accurate unless you give them that power. How is that? We're, we're all very powerful beings. We are. We are all very powerful beings in and of ourselves. Okay. And you, the worst disservice a person could do as a human being is to give their power away. You don't give your power away. You don't. Uh, so have you ever come across a person that was adamant that there was nothing that has to do with paranormal, that's real, no UFOs, that, you know, or a regular nine to five type of person, that's their entire life. They believe in black and white and they have a paranormal experience. Uh, have you ever come across somebody like that? Yeah. Yeah. I, I uh, I'm going to give an example. I have, uh, an aunt of mine. She's exactly what you just described there, Sean, very black and white, this ghost stuff, blah, 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 blah. That's about, you know, like, very nothing whatsoever having to do with the paranormal you never heard of one day this is a few years back her and my mom um when they were young they were sent to they were going to the equivalent of boarding catholic school with the nuns okay where they stayed there and she says that she must have been in first grade and this was uh, a very old building it was hundreds of years old and she says that one day she's sitting in her classroom and she looked towards the classroom door and she saw what she described as a little boy dressed like an altar boy you know with a smock and that he looked really sad mm -hmm. but she as a little kid said i wonder what he's doing here because this was the school part because you know these buildings you have the church and it's like a very you know schools and everything and um she herself as a little kid was like what is the little altar boy doing there standing in the doorway of my classroom and she says that he looked really sad and she says that she like turned a second away. She looked back and he was gone. And she's telling the story. Basically, she saw a ghost when she was a little kid. And she said this, and I'm looking at her like, okay, so where's this? What? I don't believe in ghosts. <laughs> you, you know, you've you said you've always been so cut and dry about this, and you never wanted to have any conversation. You didn't believe in it. The people that believe in it, they're 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 dumb. They're stupid. How could they believe that? And you're telling me you basically you know that what you saw was paranormal. It was. She looked at me with his face like, almost like if I don't talk about it, it's not real. You know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what do you think about uh, child ghosts? Are they uh, um, malevolent? Are they real? Are they demonic? What, uh, what okay. exactly? You get it more. I've, got, I've got a couple um, I had, options I, of this. But. I, I, I wrote, as a matter of fact, in the last book I wrote, Supernatural Safety, I do write about this. And I tell everybody, whenever I would get a case or consulting that they start describing, oh, we think it's a child that goes, I tell them, my alarm bells are going. Rah, 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 rah. Why? To me, what appears initially to have childlike qualities, even if there has been no sighting, this is the perfect Trojan horse for a dark haunting. Why? As human beings, most people, what our first response when we think that it's a child ghost is... We want to comfort it. We let it in. We invite it. We engage in it. We talk to it. You name it. Everything you shouldn't do. It is the perfect Trojan horse. In my experience, yes, you do have sometimes children that get lost. 
uh, maybe in the death state. In my experience, usually you will have either a parent, a loved one, an angel come for them. Okay, at some point and will take them. That's why I would say it's very, very little times is it an actual child ghost that you are dealing with. I, I, I tell everybody, I, and, and, and I even write about it. If your kid, you do not, if your child says that they're seeing a little kid or a child, do not talk to it, do not engage in it, don't have a conversation trying to figure out what it is. Stop, like put the brakes on. As a matter of fact, this is one of those scenarios I said, you have to be really careful on a DIY kind of thing when you suspect, or like I said, if you have a child of your own, that saying, hey, I see a little kid. And I said, even sometimes if you do legitimately have a child ghost or spirit, you have to be careful where that ch child might try to entice your child to die because it wants to have a playmate. It might uh, become attached to you and because and get rid of your child so that because in maybe in life it didn't have a parent or that affection and it will try to get rid of its rivals just so that it will be close to the parent figure in there. So whichever way you look at it, and a lot of people, again, when you think of a child goes, everybody's like, oh my God, how can you think that? And yes, you have to, because there's a lot of things out there that use a human being's propensity to let your guard down when you think of a child. You have to be really careful, in other words. Okay, so we uh, touched upon in the first hour uh, shadow people. What are, exactly is a shadow person? Are they parts? Of, are they ghosts? Are they demonic? Um, otherworldly? Um, I think there's two types of shadow people. There's shadow people that are really spirits that just for some reason they can't manifest all the way and all you see is like the dark outline i've seen that i was in a, an investigation once where i saw that and then you have the other shadow people you know the ones that people typically describe sometimes hat man a hooded figure mm -hmm. usually taller than regular humans you know that they have uh i think a lot of it also has to do with what you feel when they when they when you see them is it just i'm scared like what is that or the you know, your whole body, what I call that you come into the presence of something, uh, what I call life, anti-life. Like everything about you as a live human being goes, <gasps> you know, like, oh, it, you know, that feeling, then you're talking about a shadow person, which I, I put that into the non-human category. Okay. And you have to be really careful okay. because non-human, non-human entities, Sean, and again, I'm not going to throw only demonic in there. They don't they they don't have they don't see things as humans do. They're they're there's no moral compass there like us. So I mean I've heard of people mm. that have had encounters and have just seen them and it scared them, but that was the the worst. And then there's been other people that have had really bad experiences with shadow people. Uh we got one question. Um sure. Uh, they want to know uh, about any good spirits, positive encounters, helping, healing. Okay. Uh, can you have a good haunting or all of them bad? Here, this is Marlene's theory. Okay, this is what I believe, and I know there's a lot of investigators there that differ on this. 
I personally do not believe that a human soul that is a ghost, by this I don't mean a spirit, I don't mean somebody that's gone into the presence of God and might come back to check on their family, you know, maybe on an anniversary you smell a certain scent, and basically they're telling you I'm okay, but they're not stuck there, they don't hang out with you, because they kind of, it's like this is our dimension, we are spirits within a living human body, and they know that it is now our turn to figure it out, okay, free choice, free will, whatever you want to call it. My experience is when you have a ghost, even if it's a loved one, and they are kind of stuck, whatever the case might be, this is it, it never turns out good for the living people. It, they, I, I, I've seen in some places where they say, well, you know what, it's okay. Nothing really bad has happened. I think eventually, given enough time, and I've had my own experiences with cases, stuff that at the beginning was kind of not really severe, and it was kind of like, very haphazard, nothing scary. As years gone by, it has turned dark. Basically because you have a human soul that's trapped and out of the presence of the divine. And um, I think that as far as good spirits, if you're talking a person that has gone to the presence of God and the divine, that's different versus uh, Casper. I No, you know, the, the good, no. You're talking a human soul that is trapped on this plane or confused or scared. And usually what happens with most human beings, they get frustrated. The worst of human nature comes out because basically, let's say you're live, that spirit is living in your household. They're seeing human beings carry on their lives with what they desire the most, which is life, a human body. And what happens to human beings, even the best people, by the way, become angry, confused, frustrated. In some cases, they even go into like a type of amnesia where they kind of even forget a little bit maybe what who originally they were or what happened to them and they basically are just they, they, they act on their worst impulses and that's why I I mentioned that in the book if you think that that's happening and by this I'm not talking about get the Ouija board and communicate with them pray for them say first of all I tell them you need to tell them even if you're talking to thin air you're dead but peace be with you Peace be with you and want them to go along and cross over or hope somebody comes for them. You'd be surprised when you least expect it, all of a sudden that presence is not there in your house anymore. Okay? Whether it's a loved one or somebody that used to live there and you really don't know who it is. But yes, you, you do pray for them and wish them the well and you tell them, this is my house. You cannot be here. You're, you're dead. And I know this is like stating the obvious, but you'd be surprised some of them are very confused sometimes. And you say, uh, either angels, uh, somebody they trust to come for them. And you might have to repeat it. And then, like I said, the day you least expect it, you'll go, man, you know what? I don't feel that. Or the phenomena we were experiencing is not, not happening anymore. So. Okay, I've got a, I've got a text question. Okay. So uh, she's saying that a spirit and a human soul is the same. Right. Well, a spirit, okay, and, and we're talking here, when we're talking here, hum, I'm saying, when I say spirit, I mean human spirit. To me, a, and I differentiate a spirit, I look at it as, uh, we all have souls. I consider all human beings have souls. Okay, you're an incarnated being with a soul. Okay, a spirit, I will refer to it as a person who has gone into the presence of the divine after death has understood understands completely their ego has dropped off 
They don't need the house. They don't have that sense of possession that we have as human beings. And then the ghost is the person, the spirit, or the ghost is that human soul which is trapped and doesn't really understand. Their ego is still, you know, that's why you have the the guy that owned that house still wants the house. They still don't understand. I don't have a body. I don't need the clothing. I don't need a house. I don't need the car. I don't need to possess people as in, you know, that was my wife or my husband. Their ego is still running the show. That's that's why they're trapped. That's what I call a ghost. Uh, they they. But if you're spirit, you get it. You're gone. You you don't you don't need to be on this plane. You don't want to be on this plane, and you don't need any of the things that live human beings need. Uh, and that's how I differentiate between. But they're all souls. They're human souls. And that, by the way, I, in 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 some cases, um, even the darker things. You still need a portion of compassion, always to remember that what you're dealing with is the the soul of a human being. Mm. Okay, I've got a, a particular question that I've run into myself being in a doing these radio shows. Uh-huh. Um, there are certain people I can talk to. I'm not going to name names or anything like that. And I can do these shows, and nothing happens afterwards. But you know, some people that I've talked to as a guest, uh, afterwards, my house uh, becomes mm, rather active. Have you ever run into that when you're doing your podcasts and radio shows? No, but I, 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 I tell everybody when I was do, when I was more active in investigations. I do some investigations now, but to be honest, and I tell everybody if if any any like I call my hardcore ghost hunters you will have absolutely stuff start happening before you go on an investigation. Sometimes even before you know you're going to get the investigation because time is not linear. Okay, now as far as stuff after I've talked to certain people, uh, Sean, learning what I've learned after being in doing this maybe for what, 30, almost 30 years, is that you do do a type of protection um, even before you speak to somebody or discussing cer- certain subject matter. You do do that. I have. Mm-hmm. I tell everybody, you need a really strong boundary between your life as a live human being and when you do paranormal work. A strict, strong boundary. Or if not, you will have exactly what you're describing. It bleeds over and then you start getting weird stuff going on at your house, things like that. So, yeah, yeah. I've, I've, I haven't had that experience, but that's because I've learned some lessons along the way. So, you know how you, you don't know you dodged the bullet because you dodged it? <laughs> so, yeah. Right. Well, uh, Marlene, we've got about three more minutes left in the show time. Um, you got any uh, parting uh, questions or parting statements or anything? Yeah, how can we get a hold of your books, listen well, to you on your radio shows? Right. Well, you could go to MarlenePardo.com or MiamiGhostChronicles.com. There I have the links to the shows, to my books to stuff about me um like i said i don't do that many investigations per se i do a lot of consulting with groups um i think that's a super interesting field it's fun i think depending on who you are is how deep you should go into it um i also talk a lot about people if you're asking to have a paranormal team come to your house that you need to do your due diligence to have not only somebody not you're opening your house to a stranger so you have to feel comfortable. Um, and I mean, it's both sides of the same coin. Also for team pe- people that are going into teams, if you're looking for a team, look for somebody that's mm-hmm. had a little bit of experience out there because you 
you know, if this is what you're looking to learn, try it. If you can, I know that sometimes it depends on what's in your area. Look for a team that's been together for a little bit, you know, um, and because so you don't want to go into a team that's got what they call the paradrama. <laughs> so um, because if, if you're serious about it and you know what? And I've heard a lot of people. It's not what they see in TV. You do go to some investigations that it's boring. Nothing's there or just nothing manifests. So you kind of like are like sometimes fighting not to stay awake. Uh, by this, what I'm saying is that even we discuss sometimes some scary stuff, Sean, I think it's still very interesting. And the paranormal, I think every day we're finding a lot. It doesn't necessarily have to be ghosts. It could be cryptids, UFO, extraterrestrials. Uh, I mean, there's so much out there that personally I think falls under the per paranormal umbrella. Uh, and I think that there's a lot of things that we are now coming to understand, or in some cases that disclosure in some areas are going to be, basically it's, it's going to happen. And that's what I'm hoping for. Um, mm -hmm. So again, I mean, uh, if anything, just go to my website, uh, whether, you know, oh, and also if you're one of these people, I ask people, if you've had a story, I would love to hear it. I love to hear all the weird stories. You know, you can email me and send me your story about just stuff that's happened to you or you've heard about or things like that. You know, whatever the case yeah. might be, I'd love to hear true stories. Okay. Well, my guest has been Marlene Pardo, and you can go to her website, www.marlenepardo.com, and get in contact with her there or pick up one of her books or listen to one of her many podcasts or radio shows that she's uh, in with. Um, folks, go to IamDarkWaters.com and subscribe, and you'll get my podcast there. Also, all of Dark Waters, uh, the king of horror narration. His entire library is over there. Um, just go over there, IamDarkWaters.com. If you want to contact me, please send me an email, Sean G, S-H-A-W-N-G, at IamDarkWaters.com. And, folks, Saturday nights, uh, 8 p.m. Central Time, Meet me back here next Saturday. Have a good weekend. Have a blessed weekend. And we'll catch you on the flip side. <laughs>